Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through podcasts, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Man, it is so great to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and on behalf of myself, my wife, and the rest of the team here at Propel, we want to say welcome and good morning. If we haven't had the privilege of meeting, uh, we'll be out in the lobby after the experience today, and I would love to meet you and just say thanks for being a part of our worship experience. If it is your first time, we would love, or second time, we would love for you to stop by our new here lounge. We've got a gift that we'd love to give you uh, in exchange for some information. We just want to send you a note that says thanks for being here today. But church, could you do me a favor? Can you help me welcome everybody here for the first time? Come on, come on. Uh, I am super excited because we are uh, coming up on the tail end of 21 days of prayer. If you're not familiar with the way our church functions, we twice a year take 21 days, once at the beginning of January and once in August, and we take 21 days to intentionally pray and seek after God. We do it in January because, come on, we need God at the beginning of our year as we're getting into some fresh rhythms. And uh, about halfway through the year, you need a fresh start. And in addition to that, we take some time to pray right before kids and teachers go back to school because we believe the best thing we can do is establish a healthy foundation of prayer. And so during 21 days of prayer, we host some gatherings and the information is right here on the screen. We're Monday through Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. here in the auditorium. Saturdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sunday is our regular experience time. If you haven't been to a 21 days of prayer gathering yet, Don't worry, you can jump in at any time. We would just love for you to make it a priority to say, hey, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to pray. We believe that when we pray, that prayer yields incredible results. And so we'd love for you to join us for one of those. We're on day 14 right now, so next week is our last week of 21 Days of Prayer. In addition to that, we've been in a series called Don't Quit the Dip. Turn to somebody and say, don't quit. quit. Turn to another person and say, the dip. Now, if, now, we're in the country, so some of y'all might need to quit the dip, but that's a different kind. That's a different kind, but we're excited because in this series, what we've been learning is that one of the best things we can do is not just stay stuck in those low seasons, that you might currently be in a valley, but a valley doesn't have to be a destination, that when you get into the dip, you can do some practical things that help you get out. And so we've been going through the book of Nehemiah. And in week one of this series, Don't Quit the Dip, we talked about prayer and how prayer is an opportunity for us to tag God in to say, hey, God, we're inviting you into the middle of whatever mess we find ourselves in. In Nehemiah chapter one, we find that God uh, has shown or revealed to Nehemiah that the city has been destroyed and is in ruins. And Nehemiah is gonna be burdened to go do something, but he first starts with prayer. And then last week, we went through Nehemiah chapter 2, and we saw Nehemiah's conversation with the king. And that conversation was really to allow him to get some time off. It was to go and rebuild the wall, and he was asking the king to pay for the whole thing. And what we talked about was favor. 
and what it looks like for you and I to walk in favor. And I'm believing that as you walk in favor and you do some things that we put into practice last week, that God is going to bless you in ways that you never thought he could. Okay, one of you agrees with that. So here's what I'm saying. If you missed it, go back to YouTube, watch last weekend's message. But I'm believing that as you walk in the favor of God and you grow in favor with God and people, he's going to bless you in ways that you never thought was possible. Amen. Come on, there's a little bit of help. 1030, you're going to have to go. Go ahead and shout amen. Amen. All right, you can do it now. So now I'm going to need your help to preach God's word today. If you have a Bible... Um, the first verse we're going to read is in Nehemiah chapter 2 because uh, in Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2, we've been talking about uh, how Nehemiah had favor with the king. He has a conversation, but then they go to scout the land, and Nehemiah brings a whole group of people with him. And after he's shown them the great need that was there, it says this, Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me, and I asked to, and, and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, Yes! Let's rebuild the wall. Now, if you've ever had to cast vision for a problem, you know this is a really great feeling. When you show the need, when you present the problem, and then people are like, well, then let's do something about it. That's a, that's a great thing. And then it says, so they began the good work. Not only did they have a heart and a passion to rebuild the wall with Nehemiah, but it says that they got Started. And when I was reading through the end of Nehemiah chapter 2, I thought to myself, they began. Sounds really good, but I don't know about you. Sometimes I know the need. I see how I can be involved in the solution, but it's just so hard to get started. You ever felt like you, you knew what God was calling you to do? You knew what he was asking you to do? You just didn't even know where to begin in the process. The other week I was uh, looking at my wood shop and I had been scrolling through Pinterest. I got some good ideas for what I was going to do. And I opened the door to my wood shop and I was like, nope, not today. Because the last time I was in my wood shop and I had this project, I had uh, de decided that I wasn't going to clean up that day. I was going to clean up a little bit later on. And so when I opened the door, what I saw was that there were tools everywhere. There was scrap wood everywhere. It was an incredibly big mess. And I got so overwhelmed by all the work that it would take to just get started that I didn't start at all that day. In fact, what I did is I looked and was like, you know what? Not today. I closed the door and I went to do something else. Now, here's the problem. That mess didn't clean itself. <laughs> Next time I go to open my shop door, it's going to be the exact same mess. And I think some of us live in that same spot where we see something that needs to be done or we know what God's calling us to do, but we're just so overwhelmed with what it would look like to get started that we just feel paralyzed and stuck in the season that we're in right now. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about this word, focus. Because I think if I can help you and I uncover from God's word what it looks like to focus and what to focus on, then we're not only going to be able to focus on what God has for us, but we're going to know where we need to start as we begin to rebuild in whatever area God has called us to build. And so we're going to be walking through Nehemiah chapter 3 today. We've really just been walking through the book of Nehemiah one chapter at a time. And so this is week 3. We're in chapter 3. But I have to be honest with you before we dive into chapter 3. Chapter 3 of the book of Nehemiah is incredibly hard 
to read. And the reason why it's hard to read is because the entire chapter looks like this. It says that the fish gate was built by the sons of Hassanah, and they laid the beams, and they set up the doors, and they installed the bolts and bars. All right. Omeramoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of the wall. Well, beside him was Meshumalam, yeah, son of Bekiah, and grandson of Meshubel, and then the Zadok, son of Banana, and then there was next, there were these people from Tekoa. <laughs> this is my favorite part in these verses. It said the people of Tekoa, though their leaders refuse to work with the construction supervisors, right? You're always going to have some hard-headed people. The entire chapter of Nehemiah 3 looks like that. It's a whole list of names. In fact, if we go to the next slide, there are 32 different jobs. There are, I'm sorry, 32 verses of names. There are about 45 individuals named, 11 people groups, and 32 jobs that are presented in Nehemiah chapter 3. Now, normally, when we get to one of those chapters in the Bible where it's filled with a bunch of names and a bunch of jobs and a whole bunch of people that did a whole bunch of things and this person's grandson and their third cousin, we just skip over those, right? It's like when you get to the book of Numbers, you're like, not today, Satan. Math is not from the Lord. And you just keep, you keep scrolling. But let me challenge you really quick. Even the difficult passages of Scripture are important for us to read, even the hard ones to deal with and the hard ones to wrestle with are important for us to go through because 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 remind us that all of God's word is profitable and beneficial for teaching. So in other words, God didn't add Nehemiah chapter 3 into the Bible for no reason. He gave it to us because there were some things that we could learn from it. Even though it's difficult, we can dig in and pull out some truths from God's word. And so what I want to do today is, uh, as we have some time to kind of unpack uh, what I think God wants to show us through Nehemiah chapter 3, I want to talk to you um, about three things. And the reason why I want to do it is because in 2020, I kind of found myself in a dip. Now, some of us look at 2020 like the whole year was a dip, right? Yeah. I mean, it just, it changed everything. January, we were talking about how 2020 is the year of clear vision. And come on, by May, I didn't really like what it looked like. <laughs> As we kind of navigated through 2020, it, towards uh, July of 2020, I just found myself overwhelmed and incredibly exhausted. I mean, we had been running, there wasn't this course of how to pastor in a pandemic. There's probably going to be now, but there was nothing available. There were no resources. We were just trying to figure out how this whole thing worked. And, and thankfully, we were a little ahead of the curve, but we were not only dealing with what God was doing in Propel Church in Mount Pleasant. We had pastors and churches all around the world that were calling and going, hey, what do we do? How do we navigate this? So there was a lot of pressure and weight, and I was just completely overwhelmed, and I knew there was a lot of things that needed to get done, but I felt stuck, and God taught me some things in that season, and I want to teach you those same things because they come out of the book of Nehemiah chapter 3, and the first one is this is that you have unique gifts for a reason. Maybe one of the best things you can hear today is that God made you weird on purpose. 
Come on, you've grown up your entire life thinking that you were weird for no reason, but I came to tell you that God made you and handcrafted you uniquely because you're gifted to fulfill a specific role in the world. When we look at Nehemiah chapter 3 and we see that there are 32 different jobs, there are also people who had skill sets that they were going to use. And when all of those gifts and all of those skills came together, the wall was rebuilt one section at a time. But it came from people using their unique giftedness over and over and over again. My concern for so many of us is that when we get in chaotic seasons or we get in busy seasons, we just don't, we don't focus on how we're uniquely gifted. We just do more. You ever, you ever notice that? That you just pile stuff on and you are working and working and working and doing and doing and doing. I came to tell you that God created you to be a human being, not a human doing. That maybe there's some things that you don't need to just work harder, but you need to rely on the fact that God gifted you uniquely for a specific reason. And I figured out in 2020, one of the reasons why I was overwhelmed was because I was just doing a whole lot. I was doing things that were outside of my giftedness. I was doing things that I, I'm really not good at. And I'll tell you, one of those things that I'm really not, I'm not good at organization, admin stuff. I praise God for you people who love spreadsheets. They make me want to cry myself to sleep at night. Like I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm not that person. You put me on stage in front of people, I can talk. But you put me at a desk with some numbers and I'm like, oh, Lord, come quickly. You know what I'm saying? Like, take me home. I was doing all of these things outside of my giftedness. And here's what I, I came to learn and realize. When you do things that are outside of your giftedness, what is a burden for you is actually a blessing for somebody else because you're gifted differently. So, so my wife was kind enough to remind me. I would tell her things like, babe, this is just a season. And if we just work hard in this season, then, then you know we'll be fine and we'll get through this season and then we'll just be able to rest. And she said, she said, the seasons never end. Because right. for a lot of us, we've convinced ourselves that the busyness we're in or the doing or the labor that we're in right now, it's just a season. But when the season never ends, it's actually just your life. So what we need to do is use our unique giftedness. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 12. He says, we all have gifts. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's good news. You have been gifted, but they differ according to the grace that God has given to each of us. Good news, we don't all have the same gifts. If we did, minimal things would get accomplished. We've all been gifted, but we've been gifted differently. But here's the purpose of what Paul is writing. Paul says, hey, if you have the gift of prophecy then use it according to the faith that you have. If you have the gift of serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. Is it encouraging others? Well, then you should sit on it and never talk to anybody. Now, what's he say? Then encourage people. Is it giving? Well, then give. Is it being a leader? Then work hard. Are you getting the point? What Paul is trying to say is it, if it's showing mercy, then do it cheerfully. Paul wants you and I to know that because we've been given gifts by God and all of us have different gifts, what we need to do is actually use the gifts that God has given us. 
It's like, don't just sit on those things. You've been uniquely gifted by God for a specific reason. And what I've learned is that a gift is only good if you use it. You can have all the gifts in the world, but if you never use those gifts, then those gifts are actually wasted. And I think many of us in the church are just wasting the gifts that God has given us. So my wife, Tori, and I have been married now. January will be eight years. Come on, we got married in uh, January of 2014. And when we got married, uh, we went back to the house afterwards, and we were opening up all the gifts that people got. I, I like to receive gifts. And so <laughs> as we were kind of opening these gifts, uh, I realized one of the things that we were given was a fondue maker. And I was thinking, man, this is going to be great because the Newman house is going to be the melting pot, right? I don't have to take my girl to the melting pot. We are the melting pot. It's going to be awesome. Well, you know, we've been married almost eight years now, and here's the problem. Uh, We ain't never got that fondue maker out. (laughs) It just sits in one of the cabinets. And part of the reason why it sits in the cabinets is because, well, then I lose my illustration if I actually use it now. But the point is, we've had a gift and we've had access to it the entire time, but a gift is only good if you use it. And I think a lot of times in the church, we've got incredibly gifted people, but your gifts are just sitting in the cabinet somewhere because you're not actually utilizing them. And for some of you who are here, you don't know how you're gifted. You're still trying to figure out, am I actually created uniquely? Does God have a plan and purpose for my life? I'm still not quite sure how all this stuff works out. And I just want to encourage you and say that in God's eyes, you are considered a masterpiece. That what the world may have deemed a blemish, God actually intended it as part of his creation. And he wants to use the gifts that he's placed inside of you for a purpose. But you need to figure out how you've been uniquely gifted. And that's why we believe it's our job as the church to equip you and help you figure out how God uniquely wired and designed you. So here at Propel Church, we want you to do four things. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And knowing God is when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Finding freedom is when you realize that, hey, even though you're saved, you're probably not delivered from all your mess. You still got some junk. And so you need to deal with that, and we do that through groups. Discovering your purpose is where we help you figure out how God uniquely wired and designed you, and we do that through a course that we've designed called Discover. And what I love about Discover is that Discover, uh, first and foremost, helps you make Propel Church your home. So here at Propel Church, if you've been wondering, we don't do membership. We do ownership because we believe that members have rights, owners have responsibilities. The the local church was never to be something that you came in and you spent 45 minutes to three hours once a week arguing about carpet color, but that you were supposed to get up. Come on, you've been in those meetings before, but that you were supposed to be plugged in, connected to do something with the gifts that God's given you. But then we also teach you how to figure out how God uniquely wired and designed you. And then after we help you uncover your unique giftedness, we help you plug into a team to use those gifts. And so Ephesians 4 really sets the pace for my job description. It says that the pastors are prophets, evangelists, and teachers are there to equip the saints for ministry. 
And the only way I can do my job is if you let us equip you. And so I would just challenge you and say, hey, if you haven't been through Discover, then you need to. And Discover is going to take place on August 29th. And the good news is, come on, we've got a Discover back in person. It's been over a year since we've had that. And there's lunch and child care provided. So come on, who loves lunch? Yes. No, 1030. You didn't do it. See, I said, who loves lunch? And no, y'all all lied because you said nothing. I know some of y'all right now, you've been listening to this message and half of it you've been thinking, are we doing burgers or chicken after this, right? <laughs> like, come on, who loves lunch? <laughs> come on, so we're going to do lunch and uh, it's going to be following the 1030 experience. So you won't even have to leave. Literally, we'll, as soon as we dismiss, we'll turn over to the lobby. You'll be able to get some food and then we'll kick off. Discover. And for some of you, you don't need to wait till August 29th because you procrastinate too much. And by the time we get to August 29th, you're not actually going to show up. It's like that gym membership you were supposed to get four years ago. So you can take that next step today and go ahead and do it online at propel.church slash discover. All of what we're going to cover in person is available online. And so you can go through that process and then stop by next steps on any weekend and they'll help you run that across the finish line. So that's what Discover is designed for, is to help you figure out your unique giftings. As we continue reading, um, the second thing that I have for you this morning is that we all have an assignment to do right now. So not only have we all been uniquely gifted, come on, but we all have something that God is calling us to do in this season. And there's a difference between calling and assignment. So we talk about calling oftentimes, and we're all trying to figure out what we're called to do, how this unique thing that God has placed in us fleshes itself out in our occupation and in the rest of the world. But the more I read Scripture, the more I've come to understand that we all as believers have the same calling, and that's to glorify God and to make disciples. We don't have to get overly complicated. At the end of the day, that's what God has called us to do. However, we all have a unique assignment to where our calling to glorify God and make disciples fleshes itself out. If we didn't, then all of us would have the same job and be doing the same thing. That's not how God works. God's designed us to have different assignments, but at the end of the day, everything we do is geared towards glorifying and honoring God. God. So the question is, well, how do we figure out what God's assignment for us is right now? Well, one of the first assignments that God gives us is to be connected to his body, to be connected to the local church. And so if we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 17, it says this, if the whole body were an eye, well, then what would happen to hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, What would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just like he wanted. We're going to stop right there for a second. So when we're talking about the body, the body is a uh, metaphor. It's an example given to us to show us what it looks like to be connected to the local church. So you know how I told you that Some of y'all are weird on purpose, and not some of y'all, all all of y'all are weird on purpose. Well, the reason why you've been 
gifted and uniquely gifted and you're weird on purpose is because God didn't design you to do life alone. He designed you to be connected to a body. Because the gifts that you have make up the deficiencies of others and the deficiencies that you have are made up by the body that God has placed you in. But if you look, this verse right here is a clear indicator, I think, on why we don't see some of the results we need to in our relationship with God. Because it says God has placed each one of the parts of the body just like he wanted. Now, typically in 2021, when we're looking at a church, we're doing this thing called church shopping, where we make the list of all the things that we want in a church. And if it has this thing and this thing, and if the pastor's good looking or if his jeans aren't too tight, come on, like we've got all of these different checklists of what it looks like. And then we come and we go from church to church to church going, well, it doesn't meet this requirement or that requirement for me. But look at what scripture says. Scripture doesn't say that the way you find your church is through your checklist. It said that God God has placed each of the parts in the body just like he wanted. The best thing you can do is not try and find a place that meets all the needs you have. The best thing you can do is say, God, where do you want to place me? Because the place that God has for you is better than any checklist you could come up with. And you'll thrive where you're placed. Because where you're placed, you'll get planted. And Psalm 92.13 says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. So for some of you, the reason why your relationship with God isn't thriving is because you're not planted, you're potted. And you're bouncing from church to church to church trying to figure out what meets your needs. But maybe the greatest thing you could do is discover where God is placing you and then realize you have been strategically placed for a reason because your gifts make up the deficiencies that that body currently has. And it's not a pride thing. Like, don't walk into a church and say, I've been gifted by God, you need me. (laughs) It won't end well. (laughs) That's not the goal. But the goal is to realize that if you'll get placed where God wants you, you'll experience more peace than ever before. So in that verse, it says this, and if all were one in the same body part, what would happen to the body? What Paul's trying to say is you and I can't function together without each other. That's not God's design. God's design is, yes, for all of us to be uniquely gifted, But all of those things have to come together. And I think for so many of us, when we get into a low season, what we think we need is time off or what we need to do is rest. No, what you need to do is get connected to God's body and begin to utilize your gifts for a bigger purpose. That's how you get out of the dip. So I've got a couple of questions for you that I think will help you in this next season uncover what your current assignment is. And so I think you can ask yourself, hey, what is God asking you to start doing in this season? For some of you, it's really simple, right? He's asking you to start a Bible reading plan or he's asking you to start you know, serving or to start giving. Like there's very specific things that God could be asking you. But the second question I think is equally, possibly more important. What is God asking you to stop doing? Because for many of us, what we don't realize is that every yes is actually a no to something. 
So we've just overextended our yes, and then we wonder why we don't have time to do everything that we feel like God's calling us to. It's because we never stop to say, God, is there anything you need me to quit doing? Then the third one is this, does it line up with God's word? And here's why that's important, because what God is telling you to start and what he's telling you to stop will never go against scripture. That's where we find truth, that's where we find life, and so, can I just challenge you? God's not going to tell you to quit loving your neighbor. He's just not going to do it. He's not going to tell you to punch your enemies. He tells you the opposite. He's not going to tell you to leave your spouse or to quit doing all of anything that goes against his word. But what he will tell you to do is he will tell you that you need to die to yourself to replace toxic friendships with godly ones. He'll tell you that the thing you need to do is to leave some sin behind and focus on eternity or help lost people meet Jesus. Those are things that we can see line up with God's word when it comes to what we need to start and stop. And then here's the last thing. So we know that we've got unique gifts and we know that God has something for us to do in this season. The last one is that we can accomplish infinitely more together. What I love about Nehemiah chapter three is that you see that there are so many people who come together and they start to rebuild this wall. And this wall had been completely torn down. Now, if, if it's just Nehemiah, this thing's gonna take forever. But Nehemiah gives us an example of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Is that there's people who are rallied around a common vision to see people, to, to rebuild the wall. And, and that vision for us is that we would propel people into an authentic relationship with Jesus. That Here's what I know. There are people in the community right now that are, that are within a five mile radius that if they died today would be separated from God. And we aren't satisfied until every single person knows Jesus. So we rally around that vision. But we don't do it by ourselves. We realize that we can accomplish infinitely more together than we ever could apart. And so for some of you, you've been wondering, why in the world does he have this Star Wars figure on stage while he's teaching. And I'm glad you asked. First of all, they don't make Star they don't make Legos like they did when I was a kid. This thing, it moves like he can nod, you know, so should you start serving in Propel Church? He said, Yeah. Should you just sit? No. I mean, it's pretty cool. But this thing right here is 519 pieces. And when you look at the box, what's cool is you get to see the end result. You get to see the way that the designer intended it, and you get to see what the completed product looks like. And when we look at scripture, we actually see the same thing with the church. We see the, what the church should look like, that the church should be people who are filled with passion and purpose, that the church should be a people who serve and meet the needs of those within the church and meet the needs of the community surrounding it. We see a picture of people who are filled with love and grace and hope. We see a picture of people who challenge one another, who sharpen one another, but who hold each other up in times of weakness, but celebrate when people are celebrating. 
We see this beautiful picture of what it should look like, but if we're honest, what we see the church should look like in Scripture doesn't look like what we experience a lot of times. Because even though you get the picture of what it looks like, when you start the process, it's all just individual pieces. So while you get a vision of the completed product, this thing is built one piece at a time. And for this project right here, all 519 pieces have been strategically placed so that you get the end result. But it takes piece one and it takes piece 34 and piece 437 all coming together in the way that God designed it for the completed product to look like the picture. And what I would challenge you with today is for some of you, you've just been holding on to your piece of the body and you've been trying to figure out why you don't feel fulfilled is because your life will never look complete until you allow God to strategically place you to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. This is why God gave us the body. It's so that we could accomplish infinitely more together. And what was destroyed for 120 years in the book of Nehemiah was rebuilt in 52 days because people came and worked together. And when we work together, we're able to see God do more than we ever thought he could in our lives. That's what the promise of Ephesians 3.20 is. We quote it often. It says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's awesome. But then we get to verse 21. If you stop at verse 20, you'll actually think this verse is all about you because he's accomplishing something great within you. But look at what it says, glory to him in the church. Here's what I believe. You'll actually never see God accomplish infinitely more than you could ask or think unless it's through the church. Because the church is his bride, it is his body, it's what he's returning for, and it's his mission plan to advance the kingdom to the rest of the world. But when you're connected to the church and you're allowing God to work in you and through you, you're able to see him do more than you ever thought were possible. And Paul ends it with saying, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. In other words, it's a promise that was for then and it's a promise still today that God can do more when we're connected to the church and we're letting him use us. So you've got a piece in the body. You've got unique gifts, and we'd love to help you figure out what those are. But let me tell you something as well. For some of you, you just need to get connected. You need to pray and seek after God and say, God, are you placing me in this church? And if it's not, there's a list of churches. We can help you find one. Because you were created to be plugged in and planted somewhere. But for some of us, We can talk about giftings and we can talk about how God wired you and designed you. 
But the first thing we need is to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Matthew says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul in the process? What what does it benefit you to know that you're uniquely gifted and to use those things, but not to make an eternal difference or to know Jesus as your Savior? At the end of your life, if you don't know Jesus, you could be a great person, but you don't spend eternity with God. So for just a moment, I think there's an opportunity for some of you here today to say, hey, Lord, I need to make that decision to surrender my life over to you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed across the room today, and for those of you who are tuning in online, maybe today is the day where you've walked away from God or you know that you're not close to him. Maybe there was a season in your life where you had that strong relationship, but you've left and abandoned it. Here's the good news. It's never too late to turn around. While you still have breath, there's still time. And if you want to make that decision today to surrender your life to Christ, to lay it all down, would you just lift your hand and say, hey, that's me. Here's what we're going to do, church. None of us are going to pray alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this out loud after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propel.church/hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.